1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: The Son shall not bear the guilt of the Father, nor the Father bear the guilt of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Right? So the Son does not bear the guilt of the sins of the Father. The Father does not bear the guilt of the sins of the Son. There's no generational curse there. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself.
1: Have you ever been falsely accused of doing something bad simply because of who your family is? On the other side, have people ever assumed you were better than you are because of who your family is? Have you ever worked really hard to accomplish a task only for someone else to get the credit for it? In today's message, Pastor Dan shows us how, in God's eyes... We all receive credit, or punishment, based solely on our character, not the character of those around or before us. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Exodus chapter 20 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: have people changing the meaning of words in the Bible and changing definitions of words that 20 years ago, we all agreed what the words meant. But now people have different definitions. Even when it comes to the creation account in Genesis, you have people that say, well, the word day doesn't really mean day. And day can mean an age. Of millions of years. And God really used evolution. He didn't just create the heavens and the earth. What that person is doing is they're making the Bible agree with their position. Instead of making their position agree with the Bible. Or they say, well, the word hell doesn't really mean hell. It's not, you know, fire and judgment and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The word hell, when the Bible talks about hell, it's just figurative. Or judgment doesn't mean judgment. Or holy doesn't mean holy. I read that one today, that holy doesn't really mean holy, like we think holy means. Or I heard this one recently. Adam had both genders, and then God separated the female gender out of Adam. So Adam was transgender. There's churches teaching that. There's churches teaching that. Or that the word homosexual doesn't mean homosexual. It means prostitute. And it's not talking about, you know, homosexuals in a committed relationship. And so on and so on and so on. They're changing the meaning of words. People make a God that agrees with them and agrees with their position and affirms them and affirms their opinion. And again, this is very prominent today. It's very prominent among uh, progressive Christians, and I say that in air quotes. The word really is heretic is what the real word is. You know, Paul warns us in Romans chapter one about those who exchange the truth of God for the lie. That's the second commandment. They're exchanging the truth of God for the lie. You have churches today, you have pastors today that intentionally do not speak about anything offensive to the congregation. And they want people always leaving with a smile on their face. And so they avoid talking about things like the cross. Some churches, you never hear about the cross. Or you never hear about sin or judgment or hell or repentance. And they intentionally avoid those topics that might offend people. But by doing so, they don't give a complete and accurate picture of God. The God that is revealed in the Bible. They're not preaching the God of the Bible. They're preaching the God of their own imagination. You have other churches and pastors that preach health and wealth. And the prosperity gospel. That God wants you to be healthy. And God wants you to be wealthy. And you know positive confession. You just got to name it and claim it. And blab it and grab it. Say it don't spray it. Right? Kind of thing. The prosperity gospel is not an accurate depiction of the God of the Bible. That is creating a God to your own liking. A God that is created in your own image. A God who wants you to be wealthy and healthy and successful materially. There are plenty of godly people who love Jesus who are not healthy and not wealthy. We have godly people in this church who have cancer, who love Jesus. It's a false gospel. That breaks the second commandment. It's a God of your own making. You know, Paul warns us that in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And they will have a form of godliness. And that's what you see. It's a form of godliness. But really, they love pleasure more than they love love. God. And I could go on and on and on with other examples of ways people break the second commandment. But this is what really the second commandment is about. Remember, we talked about previously that there is there's like the external meaning of the Ten Commandments. Then there's the internal meaning of the Ten Commandments. How Jesus said, you know, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Right, or if you have anger towards your brother without cause, you've committed murder. And so there's this deeper meaning of the Ten Commandments, and this is the deeper meaning of the Second Commandment. Look at verse 5 again. The reason for the Second Commandment is because God is a jealous God. Do you see that in verse 5? The Lord your God is a jealous God. Now, the word jealous has a negative connotation in our culture today. Someone who is jealous is viewed as having you know, an unhealthy attitude toward someone. But there is righteous jealousy. Just like there's righteous anger. There's a right time to be angry. There's righteous jealousy as well. And God is a jealous God. God is, listen, he's not jealous of us. He's jealous for us. Just like a parent is jealous for their children Or a husband and a father will protect his family from danger and from a threat because that husband and that father is jealous for his family. I remember when my oldest son was a newborn baby. He was about six weeks old. And my wife was holding our baby one evening. We went out in the backyard. We had this large backyard that backed up to the woods. And there used to be Thousands and thousands and thousands of fireflies out in the woods. And so we're standing out at the edge of the woods at night. My wife is holding our baby. And we're just looking at these fireflies. My little boy, you know, we're new parents, have a six-week-old baby. And we're looking at these fireflies. And we turn to go back into our house. And when we turn, I could see a man hiding in the shadows next to our garage. And in the moment... I didn't think, what would Jesus do? I thought, what would Jason Bourne do? There is this righteous jealousy that a father has to protect his wife and children. God is jealous for us. He wants to protect us. He wants to protect us from spiritual danger. And God knows worshiping him in the wrong way is dangerous. It can bring us harm. It can give us a false concept of God and who he is. It can stumble us or even worse. It can give us a false gospel and a false security and a false salvation. In the gospels, Jesus had his strongest words of condemnation for the religious leaders. Because they were misrepresenting God to the people and they were giving the people the wrong idea about God And Jesus had righteous jealousy for his people. Now, the main reason God does not want us to make any image of him. Here in the second commandment, way back in Exodus chapter 20. The reason why he does not want us making any images of him is because God himself provides the image of himself. And in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God provides the image for all of us so that we know who God is and what God is like. God became a man and he dwelt among us. And Jesus is the image that God wants us to have. He doesn't want us to think of a calf or anything else. He wants us to think of Jesus. When we think of him, when we think of God, God wants us picturing and thinking of Jesus. He's the image. That God provides. We're not allowed to create an image. But God provides an image. Of himself in the incarnation. A couple verses for you. Regarding this. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. It says of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. God who at various times and in various ways spoke. And times passed to the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days, spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, the Son, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. There in Hebrews, when it says that Jesus is the express image of God, it means the exact representation. Like an exact Copy. Now, Jesus is God. I'm not saying He's not God. I'm just saying He is an exact representation to us of who God is the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus could say, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to be the image for us so that when we're trying to picture God and know who God is and understand what God is like, We don't think of a calf or an elephant or anything else. We picture Jesus. Jesus is how we know what God is like. Now look at verse five again. For I am the Lord, your God, a jealous God. Notice what it says next. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, what in the world is this talking about? Well, this is not talking about or not referring to generational curses. This is not referring to generational curses. That is a common misunderstanding of verse 5. Generational curses are a false teaching. If you don't know what that is, generational curses refers to the teaching that generations in a family can be under a curse because of the actions of an ancestor. That maybe an ancestor in the past got involved in the occult or witchcraft or something demonic. And it brought a curse upon the descendants. And the descendants of that person have to suffer under a curse because of the wickedness of their ancestor. That's not a biblical teaching. It's not a biblical teaching. Very popular in segments of the church. But it's not biblical. I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan.
1: Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: A couple of verses for you. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel 18.20. Listen to what it says. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Right? So the son does not bear the guilt of the sins of the father. The father does not bear the guilt of the sins of the son. There's no generational curse there. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Another verse for you, Deuteronomy twenty-four sixteen. Father Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their father. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. And so each person will be judged for their own sin. Not for the sins of their father or their grandfather, not for the sins of their ancestors. Again, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And the old things pass away and everything is made new. Now, children may suffer the consequences of the parents' sin, but they will not suffer an irreversible curse. On the family because of the father's sins or an ancestor's sin. So what is this warning here? What does this warning mean here in chapter 20? The key phrase is at the end of verse 5. The key phrase to understanding this is the phrase, those who hate me. If the father hates God, he will be punished for his sin. If he raises children that also hate God. The children will be punished for their sin. Just like their father. The children share the same punishment because they share the same hatred of God. Or to put it another way, if you sin as your father did, you will suffer the same judgment of God as your father. God will punish the next generation if they continue in the sins of the previous generation. That's what this is saying. This is also... Or this also means that no one can excuse their bad behavior by blaming their upbringing or blaming the culture or their personal history or their family background. You can't blame your parents or your upbringing for your behavior. And I understand some of you had a very difficult childhood and a really rough upbringing But you can't blame your parents or your upbringing for your behavior. You're personally responsible for your own behavior. And no one else, no matter what your background may be. You know, 1 Peter 1, verse 18 says, We were redeemed from the aimless conduct we received by tradition from our fathers. We were redeemed from the aimless conduct we received by tradition from our fathers. Jesus Christ redeemed us. From the conduct of our parents and our grandparents. So, even if you've got generations of just wicked people, Jesus Christ can make you new and give you a whole new start. Now, look at the promise of verse six. We're almost finished. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So, God will visit the iniquities on the children to the third and fourth generations. Of those who hate God, but he will show mercy to thousands, thousands of generations. No end to his mercy for those who love God and keep his commandments. Jesus quotes this, doesn't he? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, Jesus said. Referring to this commandment. And what a wonderful promise this is in verse 6. Mercy For every generation that loves God and keeps his commandments. Again, it doesn't matter what the previous generation in your family was like. Or maybe you've got generations as far back as you know of. That hated God and were ungodly. Well, there's mercy for every generation that loves God. And keeps his commandment. I think of the importance for us as parents. To teach our children to love God. And to walk in his ways. And the fruit that that can produce in our family and our legacy years after we're gone to glory. And our children, and our children's children, and our children's children's children, and so on. I think of how Jesus can change the course of a family and change a family tree for generations and change a family tree. For all eternity. I think about my own family. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And Jesus Christ changed me. And my wife. And my family. Forever and ever. For all eternity. There's a psalm that I want to read to you. Psalm 78 verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Telling the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. We're going to tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord. We're going to tell the generation to come about God's strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. That's our grandchildren. That, here's why, that they may set their hope in God, our children and our grandchildren that aren't even born yet, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit Was not faithful to God. Previous generations were stubborn and rebellious. Maybe in your own family, previous generations were stubborn and rebellious and hated God. Did not set their hearts aright, did not set their hearts toward God. They were not faithful to God. But here he says, we're going to teach these things to the generation to come. So that that generation to come might know the Lord, the children who would be born. They're not born yet, but they will be born so that they may arise and declare them to their children, the generation after them, so that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. We have the privilege of leaving a legacy with our children And setting a course for our families. A legacy. And we can set a legacy of iniquity. Or we can leave a legacy of love for God. And a legacy that is characterized by God's mercy. Upon us. And upon our children. And our children's children. Upon our families. For a thousand generations. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we want to worship you in the right way and we want to honor you in the right way according to what you have revealed to us about yourself in your word in the Holy Scriptures, Lord. Lord, we don't want to make you something that you're not. We don't want to add anything to what you've revealed to us in your word. We don't want to take away from what you've revealed to us in your word. We don't want to create you in our own image. Lord, we want to be conformed to your image. And so, Lord, help us. Search our heart, Lord. Help us to filter through the things that just really don't line up with your word. Lord, I pray that we would bring those things into alignment with your word, that we would worship you aright. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: He asked me how I know, and I say, Ring's truer than the finest crystal.
1: Thank you for listening to Ring of Truth today. My days are filled with so much activity from sun up to sundown, it's no wonder I feel used up and exhausted by the end of it. Have you been there? Pastor Dan Sexton in this radio ministry aims to change that by bringing you the refreshing Word of God. It's a strong, sturdy foundation to build your day on. Friends, you may be busier than you like, but there is also rest and peace to be found in Scripture. The question is, will you take a moment to utilize the many avenues we have on our website, calvaryec.com, to soak in the truth of His Word? We promise your life will be better for it because we serve a faithful God who hasn't left you. Would you like to hear more messages like this one? Visit calvaryec.com and click on the Media tab to get started with all the latest verse-by-verse teachings from Pastor Dan. Ring of Truth is a ministry coming to you from Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, in Columbia, Maryland you're in the area, won't you look us up? Our doors are open to everyone, including you. We'd appreciate the opportunity to encourage you on your faith journey. We're a community committed to sharing Jesus wherever life takes us. If you don't know our exact location and are unsure of our Sunday service times, you'll find all that information at calvaryec.com. Once again, that's calvaryec.com. Well, that wraps it up for today. Thanks for listening. Come back for more faith building here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize